Well, after a wait of over two years, we finally now get to say on Selection Sunday that we have a bracket this time, 2021. Welcome in to the nation's college basketball show on Selection Sunday night. It's college basketball coast to coast. I am the somewhat competent, somewhat capable host of the show, TJ Reeves. Glad you found us. However, you did so. Social media link. Or if you found us streaming on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel, also the show is via podcast on Apple Podcasts under College Basketball Coast to Coast. And I am here with extra capable assistance. Let's go around the room from bloggingthebracket.com. He's been blogging the bracket for weeks and weeks and actually the last three months. And now here it is. It's like Christmas morning for Chris Dobertine of the SB Nation family of sites. How are you, my friend? Good to have you. I'm glad that we got here. Amen. <laughs> to be honest, I am so happy we got here. All right. So we're going around the round table. We'll swing all the way out west to Matt Zimmick, who writes the USC Trojan Wire website, trojanswire.usatoday.com. The Trojans are in. The Pac-12 kind of messed things up with Oregon State getting a victory. More on that in a moment. But Matt Zimmick, it's here. We got a bracket in 2021. Merry Christmas to everybody. <laughs> no doubt about that. Deshaun Tate, smiling ear to ear, even though you can't see him, I can see him. Deshaun, a big Michigan State guy. He's based in Atlanta, though, with 92.9 The Game, the FM sports radio station in Atlanta, breaking down the NCAA tournament for them. It's here, my friend. Welcome, and we're ready to break it down. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be a part of all this. Thanks for sharing the space and all that good stuff. The best part I like about this thing, TJ, is on Selection Sunday, this is the closest that a lot of these guys get an opportunity to have that I just got drafted feel. I love that probably more than anything else. Sure. The images that we've just watched at the time that we're taping on Sunday night were back. In addition to the comments and the analysis back, the images of watching those teams clap and celebrate and be happy and even the bubble teams clap and realize uh, that we're in. That's a good thing. All right. So this is like biblical. I'm getting all uh, sentimental here. The last shall be first. I'm going to go backwards around the room. Deshaun Tate to you first. We're going to go with several themes. One of them quickly. What did the committee get right in this selection process? Give me a thing, maybe quickly two things. What did they get right? Deshaun go. Uh, they got all the number one seeds, right? You're talking about, you know, Iowa and Ohio State uh, representing the Big Ten, obviously falling short behind Michigan, but still had outstanding seasons. I think that that is something that they actually got right because there was some uh, there was some talks about maybe, you know, some of those uh, teams maybe falling to a three or something, particularly being Iowa. All right. So the Big Ten he dwells on. Matt Zimmick, give me something that this selection committee 2021 chaired by Mitch Barnhart, the Kentucky athletic director, got right, please. Break in, you know, a, a mid-major team winning a pile of basketball games being left at the altar. We've seen that far too often for my taste on Selection Sunday. So Drake getting a place at the table. Very happy about that particular move by the committee. And of course, they did put Drake in the first four uh, for a matchup. Fascinating uh, on that. So, uh, but again, as you mentioned, they are in. Uh, and as it turns out, they're going to be in the way of USC, which we'll circle back to you on. Chris Dobertine, you get to do both. Start first with what did the committee get right, please? Well, I would say that they evaluated Western teams pretty well. I mean, I was surprised to see San Diego State actually get the six seed that I had project them to get. BYU get a six seed, which is a little higher than I thought they were going to get. They were relatively in line in terms of what I was expecting of the Pac-12. So that was one thing I think they got right. In terms of what they got wrong, 
they need if they're gonna do the selection you know mock you know one month out here's what we think the bracket is going to look like they have to stick with that for the entire period they have to come back one month later with a bracket that's very similar because this time it really felt like they were again focused on quality wins when they did that reveal a month ago and today it seems like the quality wins took the back seat to the net in a lot of situations based on you know kind of the seating misses that i had uh, you know, I will say, uh, just to chime in on what they got right, just real quick, I thought, again, as Matt said, uh, respect to the mid-majors, if you will, or the non-Power 6, including the Big East, for the selection committee, because you got a second team in at large from the American. The same thing uh, with the Mountain West, the same thing with the Missouri Valley. So you had respect for some of the smaller conferences I like. But again, I bang this drum like every year. I didn't get to bang it in 2020 because we didn't have a tournament. If you keep preaching it's who did you win against or how many quality wins do you have, you leave a Louisville team out. I know they got more opportunities, but you leave a Louisville team out with four wins in the top 50 of your own system, the net, and you leave them out, but you put Wichita State in that has one win in the top 50 of the net. It ain't about wins, babe, if that's what you're doing. Uh, again, they gave respect to non-Power 6 conferences by putting Wichita State in. That one's just not justifiable. And wasn't it something else, I'll tee this one up to Matt Zimmick, that Mitch Barnhart, the AD of Kentucky, is left to explain why <laughs> Louisville is not in the tournament. Uh-huh. Uh, I just made the point in in, uh, the question, really. I mean, you know, that I mean, look, if we're going to exclude teams and uh, let's at least have the the intellectual honesty to have the teams that they uh, lost out to in the first four. You know, it's not so much that Syracuse got in and Louisville didn't. It's that Syracuse got in without a got a buy and didn't even go to the first four. I mean, really, Syracuse and Louisville were on that unequal footing. I mean, you ha- you you have to at least put Syracuse in the first four if you're going to exclude Louisville. I mean, so that you could at least say, you know, Syracuse was one notch above on the seed list. But you're saying now, uh, talking about the Mitch Barnhart and the committee, that Syracuse was like five or six seed notches higher than Louisville? Are you kidding that's absolutely ridiculous. There's something that Matt Zimmick says they got, Ron. Follow him, by the way, at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. Next up, Deshaun Tate for me, Mr. Tate's Take. Tate's Take Hoops is where you find him. Love his insight. What'd they get wrong, Deshaun, the committee? Give me something. Or maybe two things. Um, okay, fine. Besides the fact that Michigan State is essentially in a playing game, however, they're the only team uh, in this thing to be all of the number one seeds, but so that's a personal rape, I guess. Uh, Georgia Tech came in expected to be a number 10 seed entering the ACC conference tournament. I think that it should have been a little bit more likely, maybe that they could have gotten an eight. However, I still understand not much difference between deserving of at least a seven. And last but certainly not least, how in the world did Gonzaga get put in the same bracket with three teams that they beat earlier this year in a non-conference, that being Virginia, Iowa, and Kansas beat all three of those guys earlier this year like a Bob Ross paintbrush for crying out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Just remember, you're talking to the man hosting college basketball coast-to-coast that proclaims every year they absolutely look at the at the draw they absolutely 
absolutely are aware of matchups, and it ain't no coincidence in the West Regional. There's some rematch games looming for Gonzaga from earlier in the year that that is the case. Uh, again, that's De- Deshaun Tate's voice. Let me get back to Mr. Bloggingthebracket.com, uh, Chris Daubertine, uh, who has been looking things over. You you actually uh, had Louisville in in Blogging the Bracket and had Utah State out i know you tweeted that while the selection show was going on that's the only team you missed reinforce there why you believed uh more um in uh in that instance that louisville was going to be in and not utah state well i, I thought that utah state had two really bad losses you know south dakota state when they played in the dakota crossover classic to replace the battle for atlantis and they lost unlv on the road granted they ended up beating unlv on their own floor again two more times which kind of canceled that out a little bit um you know it was one of those situations where i think that the cardinals really got penalized and this was something the committee said they weren't going to take a look at games that didn't happen but louisville lost a whole lot of opportunities you know to really kind of beef up their profile and and that's really what ended up costing them when all of a sudden done very true and that was brought up a couple of times that they had a 19-day pause. Still, they had wins late in the year. They did not beat Duke in the tournament. Uh, But, uh, again, and I'm a Memphis guy. Memphis guys do not cry crocodile tears for the Louisville Cardinals. Not now, not five years from now. Is that going to happen? We continue. It is college basketball. One thing I want to add, though, again, talking about the net, the net 17 points higher Utah State than Louisville. And I think right there, that was the difference. I think, you know, they really leaned on the net a lot more this year. And it was a similar story with Syracuse because Syracuse is a top 40 net team too. You know, they're right on 40. And I really think that, you know, when it came down to those tiebreakers, they really leaned on their own metric this year. Yeah, net that has Colgate in the top 10, by the way, under the math and the metrics. And that didn't help them out because they got a. I had them as a projected 12 and they end up with a 14. And, and by the way, uh, Wichita State 72 in the net again. Yeah. Try to explain that one to me, but I think we've more than covered that ground. All right, next topic for the panel here, Chris. I'll just let you go first because we're in the batting order here. Chris Dobertine at uh, bloggingthebracket.com and also Chris Dobertine, D O B B E R T E A N on social media. He's done a fantastic job and been with me along the way. Give me an upset that jumped out right away. We all love. Of the 12 5 matchups. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you got a couple of them. Give me an upset first blush. Subject to change. We can all change these in the next day or two. We'll find stuff out. But give me a first blush upset, please. Uh, Creighton UCSB in the 5 12 game in Gonzaga's region, the West. That was one that really kind of jumped out at me. And then also another 5 12 Villanova Winthrop, just because Villanova doesn't look to be all that great without, yeah. you know, down two starters. So yeah, good point on both of those. And Villanova might very well. Chris, should they have been, if if they have all things re- equal, they were healthy and they, let's say, made the Big East final, they could have been a two seed, right? Maybe, oh, yes. maybe. Yes. And they end up being a five. Yeah. yeah. All right, Matt Zimmick, same question to you as we go back around the room here. An upset or two that stood out to you? Well, you know, I think, I think everyone's going to be all over Santa Barbara over Creighton. I mean, I think that's going to be the single most popular pick. I think a lot of other people will say Georgetown over Colorado. I actually would push back against that. Not so much because I'm a Pac-12 homer, but just because, uh, you know, the Big East is not especially strong. And you had Villanova and the other team, you know, Creighton going through its internal issues with Greg McDermott. 
Um, you know, the, the go, now Georgetown, it's an achievement to win four games in four days, no doubt about it. But I just think the value of that is going to leave Georgetown overvalued nationally. Uh, and, I, and I think that Colorado has the guards and uh, certainly just the overall resources to deal with Georgetown. So it's not so much a pro Colorado pro pack 12 pick, but more of a, let's cool it on the Georgetown love a little bit. Um, so, you know, that, that the Santa Barbara or Creighton is going to be the most popular pick. Um, but, I, but uh, you, you know, so to try to find something else, I think a lot of people are going to be over Ohio against Virginia and that, that sub bracket where you have Creighton and Virginia together, you're going to get a lot of people picking a 12 versus a 13 in the round of 32. That could be the bomb shelter bracket. <laughs> <laughs> Might very well be. Love Matt Zimmick's insight. Let's go next again to Deshaun Tate. He's based in Atlanta. He's all over the place, though, with his coverage, including the Big Ten. All right, talk to me, brother. Upset, maybe two that you like. Again, these can change, but this is right after the bracket reveal on Sunday night on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Deshaun, give me one or maybe two. Yeah, I really like the Liberty over Oklahoma State and the Colgate over Arkansas. And while I like them so much, uh, you know, uh, Abilene Christian was one of those teams I've been really, really high on. Unfortunately, they're playing up against a team that I think outside of the uh, top three number one seeds being Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan, if they don't win it all, of course, my dark horse at that point is Texas. But as much as I like that one, my favorite one here, I feel like is a no-brainer. If there is anybody, and of course, Matt Zimmick living in my uh, uh, living in my head rent-free, of course, here. But I think if anybody has the capabilities of making a Steph Curry-Davidson Sweet 16 type of run here, it's definitely Jason Preston with Ohio. I mean, that one, there's always that one once the entire bracket is, re- is, is released, or even not even then. Uh, that just is eye popping. It jumps off the page to me. As soon as I saw that matchup, it instantly was the one that I'm just like, like, I'm ready to just go ahead and advance them. Then I see the Creighton right behind that USC, Santa Barbara, USC, Santa Barbara, UC, Santa Barbara, rather. I like Ohio to move on to the Sweet 16. They're going to go on a run here. Wow. The Bobcats there out of the Mac. All right. Keep an eye on that. I looked again, first blush, that Moorhead State matchup with West Virginia. I know they played a tremendous game uh, with Oklahoma State, but they lost it. They've lost several close games. Anybody want to talk me out of a 14, maybe beating a three? Uh, there in in that half of the draw, and I'm, I'm double checking on my region. That's the Midwest region, Moorhead State, which I think ended the year. Chris or Matt or somebody or Deshaun, help me out. Moorhead State won something like ten or twelve, something like that, in a row to end the year and the conference tournament. I, I'm I'm thinking that could be danger for Huggy Bear and the Mountaineers. Anybody want to talk me out of it real quick on college basketball coast to coast? I hear. Silence. I don't think I, I. Yeah, I can't. I can't <laughs> talk you out of that one. I can't talk you out of that one too much, just because of uh, West Virginia style of play. Obviously, defensively, and then when you start talking about Miles McBride, I mean, in that yep. backcourt, he's done a really good job. I mean, they're not known for their offense by any stretch of the imagination, but I still like between that and Huggy Bear, maybe probably you know the coach that's not nearly getting enough credit that he deserves and I think that that's something that's been kind of talked about throughout the course of uh, this entire season uh, in regards to making the Hall of Fame ballot and so forth but like I said if there is a 14-3 matchup I'm looking more at that Arkansas Colgate or the Texas and uh, Abilene Christian. Why do you honestly believe that Colgate can hang in with Arkansas just real quick Deshaun on that one? They get 
Well, they get up and down. I mean, and I know Arkansas likes to get up and down too, but this isn't nearly or remotely close to being your Nolan Richardson Arkansas team either. I think that there are some vulnerabilities there in terms of experience amongst other things. I love Moses Moody. Uh, and of course, I think his name is Jalen Tate as well. Now, I'm not going to go against too many guys with the last name Tate, but this is one that I will go against. Uh, and I'm uh, uh, this is one that I actually will go against. And I, I think that I feel good about Kogay because they're playing with house money and where I come from, from anybody playing with house money and you're just giving them a shot. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's one of them situations where that it just means that they're just that much more dangerous. That's the voice of Deshaun Tate. He's at Tate's Take Hoops. Find him on social media. Chris Dobertine with me from bloggingthebracket.com and also Matt Zimmick from the USC Trojans Wire uh, website uh, and their fleet of websites. I'll talk to him about that uh, in a second. Chris Dobertine, I, I did look at another possible upset. How concerned should Florida State fans be? They did make the ACC championship game. They've had a good uh, season, but North Carolina Greensboro, UNC Greensboro, and Isaiah Miller is their opponent. That's a 13 against a four. Is that a concerning one for the Seminoles? What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think that would be one that you kind of have to keep an eye on just because, you know, Miller is one of those players that that you really aren't going to be able to kind of prepare for all that easily. Um, you know, a definite pro, somebody who can really handle the ball ball, somebody who defends very well. That, I think, is going to give Florida State a lot of problems. And you kind of think about, you know, how they played against Georgia Tech with a very, you know, similar type of offense, you know, yesterday. And and obviously Miller, great athletic ability at about 6'2", rebounds. You just wonder if Florida State, Matt Zimmick, are we trying to talk ourselves some, into something here right after the bracket reveal that Florida State's got size and they've got experience? Is that going to be too much for Greensboro maybe in that game real quick? Well, you never know what you're going to get with Florida State. Now, you could you could say that about a lot of other teams, but you know, Florida State this, you know, ha- has plenty of veteran players from last year's team, which you know was probably going to be a number two seed and really had a great chance to go to the Final Four. I mean, these you know, Scotty Barnes is new to this, but a lot of the other players on that on this year's roster have been around the block a few times, and and they throw the ball all around the yard against Georgia Tech. 25 turnovers. They committed 21 turnovers when they previously faced Georgia Tech on January 30. So it's a it's a an undisciplined team, despite having players who you know should should know better. Uh, but yet uh, it's also a team which you know ha- absolutely blew out Virginia and looks dominant when everything's clicking, especially when the perimeter shots are falling. The thing with Florida State, uh, not just in that in the first round, but it applies to the whole tournament. You know, the, just the the differential between Florida State's best and Florida State's worst is as large a differential as any team in the country. There's really more variance for Florida State compared to other teams in the field. Uh, and given the Isaiah Livers injury situation with Michigan, for Florida State to be bracketed with Michigan as the one seed. That's a really promising draw for Florida State in this tournament. And I mean, relative to what Florida State achieved on the court, failing to win the ACC tournament against Georgia Tech, failing to win the ACC regular season, just had to beat Notre Dame and instead face planted against the Fighting Irish. Boy, that fourth seed placement and being in Michigan's bracket as opposed to Illinois, Gonzaga, 
or Baylor, that's an amazing draw for Florida State. The Knowles can do something with that. Great insight from Matt Zimmick. Love that. Got a few more minutes here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Selection Sunday night show whenever you're hearing us, Sunday night or Monday. Again, the show streams on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel, top and bottom of the hour. Also on Apple Podcast. You can find us there in podcast form and listen to us whenever you like until your heart's content. Uh, Deshaun, I want to come back to you about the ACC tournament winner, Georgia Tech. Finished the year on a nine-game win streak. You're in Atlanta. You're on a first-name basis with Josh Pat. I am too. Just kidding. Uh, but you're you're around Georgia Tech and what they've been able to do. Very interesting draw with Loyola Chicago and the winner to get Illinois uh, out of that. Deshaun, quick thought there on that matchup, uh, the Loyola Chicago matchup with Georgia Tech. Just real quick. Yeah, interesting to see if we could see in the second round an Illinois team versus another Illinois team. But uh, with Georgia Tech, I mean, they've got the experience. She's always uh, coach talking about getting old and staying old, and, and that's showing some benefit for them right now. Again, I think that Georgia Tech probably should have been seated a little bit higher, I guess. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, Loyola Chicago returning Cameron Crutwig, Crutwig from that uh, Final Four team where he was a freshman, and then obviously Porter Moser, if he's able to make a run or put together something, you know, he's going to be a really hot coach to be contacted uh, to maybe make a move after that. But I tell you what, I mean, Georgia Tech is very balanced. You know, they've got the ACC Player of the Year and Moses right there. I'm not sure that there's a better leader in college basketball than there is uh, somebody like Jose Alvarado and a silent killer like someone like a Michael DeVoe. The X factor for that entrance for me, but I know that folks at Georgia Tech are really happy to get into the dance. Loyola Chicago has been here before. It's not about being happy to get into the dance for them. For Georgia Tech, it is, and they've got to go in this thing with their eyes wide open. You can't get caught sleeping or you're going to be going sent home early. And I love the emotion of Alvarado last night on the court in Greensboro. Tears in his eyes, standing there with Josh Pastner. That's what this time of the year is all about for Georgia Tech uh, to get in. And once again, TJ points this out in advance. Almost every year, there are three or four games you point to. The state of Illinois cares about two stories this year in college basketball, the Illini and Loyola of Chicago. Lo and behold, they're magically, coincidentally in the same bracket and a second-round <laughs> matchup if they both win. These things just happen, right, Chris Dobertine? They don't look. They don't peak, right, Chris? They don't look at those things. Well, I, I tell you, when I was putting together my bracket, that was coming up an awful lot myself. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, if they obviously work in the way that, you know, we do as bracketologists, yeah, that, that's how it ends up going. You're going to end up having little stories like that um, just to kind of further, you know, further sell those, uh, those ad, uh, ad spots. All right. And we love that part. And that's going to lead us right into it one more time because the bracket is out. We're going to play it. Here it is. Who's in, in. or out, out for the big dance in March? We now know officially who's in and who's out, and we know Michigan State's playing UCLA in the first four. They 1,000% looked at that matchup for the opening night on Thursday <laughs> night and said we want that one. Chris Dobertine, how surprised were you that both of them are in the first four playing each other, or were you not surprised at all, Michigan State-UCLA Thursday night? I was originally surprised when I thought more about it and also kind of looked at some of the other scenes that I was kind of questionable about, and I saw a nice pattern where – the committee kind of saw that really good wins like the ones Missouri got and the ones Michigan State got, you know, we're kind of seeing this outliers to compared to when they got blown out, which were the things that dropped their net ranking again. 
So, yeah, I wasn't surprised after all to see that Michigan State ended up dropping a little bit, and UCLA, who didn't have as many good wins, ended up kind of in that group as well. Same thing on the in or out for Deshaun Tate because you're a Michigan State guy. You're from there. Did it shock you there in the first four? Did you kind of expect it? And, and, and UCLA, I mean, that is absolutely made for TV real quick. Shocked me. It was our two. Uh, you know, a little bit of a rematch. I think they played last year in the uh, Maui Invitational as well, where Michigan State ultimately was the winner. So I think that both of the teams, neither one of them necessarily did enough to be considered uh, not in the in, in the first four uh, games. So I think it's going to be a very interesting game, obviously, but I think it was more so paired together because of the institutions. All right, we predicted that. Matt Zimmick, Oregon State, with a great run to play their way in to this tournament. Uh, they are in. But how did they do this over the last two weeks of the season and those uh, three or four games that they played in Las Vegas? Give us some insight on Oregon State because you're so close to it with the Pac-12. Well, the thing, one thing to remember is that if Arizona had not been ineligible for the postseason and if it had played in the Pac-12 tournament – Oregon State would not have gotten a first round bye as a number five seed. First off, Oregon State would have been seeded sixth because Arizona actually finished fifth. But also, just with Arizona dropping out, that that eliminated one first round game. So Oregon State got a bye as the five seed. A five seed ordinarily wouldn't carry a bye in, in the Pac-12. So Oregon State had to win just three games instead of four. That was huge. And the other thing is is that. Uh, Colorado, you know, it's interesting. Colorado did not play well in its Pac-12 quarterfinal against Cal, didn't play well in its Pac-12 final uh, against Oregon State. I mean, the Buffaloes played excellent against USC. Colorado is USC's nemesis. Uh, The Buffaloes always light up, and, you know, Tad Boyle and Andy Enfield hate each other. Colorado always gets up for the Trojans, but then just didn't play very well in its other two games. Uh, that was part of the mix for Oregon State, but really the, the, the Beavers' most impressive feat, they demolished Oregon, and Oregon won 10 of 11 games to win the Pac-12 title, and Oregon State just went right through them, and Oregon State beat Oregon twice this season, so the, 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 the Beavers stood up to the very best yes, they did. in the Pac-12. Through that lens, it's really no joke that the Beavers did what they did. And Colorado, very fortunate, won a, what, a double overtime, or at least an overtime game, um, and then and then beat uh, USC on a last second shot just to get in. Just be careful about the Buffaloes, like we were saying earlier on the show uh, here tonight. Only about three or four moments left here on college basketball coast to coast. Let me get a first blush final four from each one of you, Chris Dobertine. You first. Give me four teams, and again, you guys can change this because we're doing it right after the brackets are revealed. But who do you have now that we've looked at them? Give me a quick final four. Left side, Gonzaga, Texas. Um, especially with Michigan, you know, the whole question about whether Levers is going to play or not. Uh, and then on the other side, Illinois and Baylor. All right. So you go three number one seeds there, if I have that right, with Texas. Deshaun right. Tate, give me a first blush final four. I'm going to go Gonzaga, Baylor. It's tough between Florida State and Texas, but I'm going to go with Texas on this one. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, I'm not sure if anybody else is going to pick this one. I'm going to go with Houston, the number two seed. I'll actually jump into the deep end of the pool with you, hand in hand off the high dive. I don't know if you jump off the high dive or not. I like the Houston Cougars after I what I saw. I can't, 
I can't swim, TJ. All right, so you're not in the high dive. It's just me. <laughs> All right, good enough. Houston, I'll go into the deep end with them after they beat my Memphis Tigers. They got multiple shooters. They're athletic. I like them uh, in a potential Elite Eight game with Illinois. It would be wild. We'll see. So I've got Houston. Um, I also like Ohio State instead of Baylor, but I'll take Gonzaga and Michigan as the ones on the other side. Matt Zimmick, a quick Final Four. We got about 90 seconds. Give me a first blush Final Four, Matt. The three number one seeds, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and I like Alabama coming out of uh, the Michigan East region. We have not not talked about them yet, but give me a quick take on the last second win over LSU. They also had to come from behind against Tennessee. Did Alabama show you something that is leading you to that final four pick the last two days at the SEC? Well, I, I think what leads me to the final four pick is simply that Michigan with livers injured is a weak number one seed and Alabama landed there and has a field of opportunity uh I, that that's the main thing i mean that if out that alabama lsu game was any indication of how this ncaa tournament's going to be we're in for a great time yeah. that game was a great game the overtime game with illinois and ohio state that made us run into the selection show a few extra minutes because it was overtime <laughs> was crazy it's all good guys great stuff here on college basketball coast to coast find that voice matt zimmick at matt zimmick z-e-m-e-k on social media the usc trojans wire website he'll be talking about usc and either uh, wichita state or drake this week in the ncaa tournament tate's take hoops is where you find deshaun tate out of atlanta 92.9 fm the game is the sports station in atlanta uh, he covers it all, though, with college basketball and takes take. And bloggingthebracket.com. Chris Dobertine, thank you again. You've done a great job uh, with me all year long here on uh, college basketball, coast-to-coast, blogging the bracket. Great job. Follow him, not only at bloggingthebracket.com, but tweeting at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. Chris, thank you. Matt, thank you. Deshaun, thank you. Great stuff here on Selection Sunday Night, boys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, TJ. Thank you. All great stuff from these guys. Again, however you found the show, social media link, etc. It's going to be streaming constantly on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. Find us under Tag TAG Sports Group on TuneIn. It streams top and bottom of the hour from now all the way through the Final Four in podcast form. College Basketball Coast to Coast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Find us there. For now, we're done. Hopefully we entertained you right after the brackets on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye. <laughs>